Welcome to St. Paul's Faith to Go podcast, your on-the-go resource for everything you need to have faith discussion throughout your day at home, at work, with your friends, and with your family. My name is Abby Krieger, and I am the Director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministries here at St. Paul's. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I am the Youth Minister also here at St. Paul's. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Director of Outreach and Formation here at St. Paul's Episcopal Cathedral in San Diego. (laughs) So, welcome to this week's uh, Faith to Go podcast, where we uh, get you ready for all of the faith discussions that we hope you'll have at home with your family and with your children. Uh, Again, this is a weekly podcast where we uh, go through the theme for each week, which is based on the gospel reading from Sunday morning and that the theme informs all of the resources that you will be using throughout the week, like the videos and the dinner discussion questions that are found on the faith to go website. So our theme for this week is fruitfulness, and it's based on Matthew's gospel from chapter 21, verses 33 to 46. And I'm going to read it. Yes, you are. Okay. Yeah, you are. Matthew 21, 33... To 46. The parable of the wicked tenants. Mm. Listen to another parable, Jesus said. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent another slave, more than the first, and treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the one, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on his stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this par- his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds, because they regarded him as a prophet. Here ends the reading. Speak to God. So, the parable of the wicked tenants is the gospel for... Proper 22, which is uh, Sunday, October 8th, 2017, this year. I just want to say that if you feel confused by this parable, it's okay. And sure. we will help You're you through alone. this. You are not alone. Mm-mm. Yeah, these the parables have been tough. Um, there's been a lot of violence in them. A lot of um, kind of, it feels like, judgment on the people that Jesus is talking to sometimes. Mm. But it's important to uh, take time with the scripture and do a little bit of a deep dive into what 
is really going on here. Mm-hmm. The local religious leaders are the ones that are approaching Jesus about this, and he is saying this parable to them as well as to all the other people that are around because it says there's a crowd of people there. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I, want, I thought was interesting was it says there was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. So the idea, if you didn't pick up on it already, is that God is the vineyard owner, right? If we're going to assign some characters to it. And God created... And if, if that's true, then what did God create? Um, this vineyard owner created a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. So it makes me think of Jerusalem, is what mm, I'm thinking. Okay. Because Jerusalem had a really big wall around it. Yeah. And at the end, it says that they took his son and threw him out and beat him and... So yeah. when, and, and Jesus was crucified outside of the walls of Jerusalem. Is the wine press like fruitfulness and like grace and like, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm wondering is because like, the whole thing is, the whole point of a parable is that it is like pointing to some truth that is beyond words. So you mm-hmm, use a story yeah. to talk about it. So you use these people, these characters in this story to say something about it. But it's not that you're being... It's not to be taken literally. No. It's to be taken symbolically and metaphorically and also kind of emotionally, like how it is making you feel. What is the truth that is pointing to you? Well, at the, at the end then also it's talking about the, it's as if it's the kingdom of God that Jesus is referring to, that the people will be thrown out of the kingdom of God. So maybe so then it seems like the vineyard is the kingdom of God, mm. which has a fence around it and a wine press and a watchtower. It's just three, those three things just seem so, like, unique and interesting that Jesus would right. include them in this parable. Yeah. Like, what is a fence? What a is wine a wine press, press a even? Tower? A wine press is the thing that I believe is the thing you use to squeeze the, like the, juice. the juice out like of the coffee, grapes. Like a coffee press? Or not, like, like the juicing, like, literally get the juice out, or, like, mush like, the grapes. Like a giant juicer, I think. I also think of wine as, like, Lord's Supper, right? Right. So... There's, like, the, a structure to, there's a structure to make wine and a structure to keep watch, mm-hmm. a watchtower. And there's there? a fence. So there's some sort of security going on, but there's also some, like, something being produced within it. Well, I also think about, like, the fence, like, well, there are people in there, in that, within that fence that were not good people, like, the wicked tenants. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get thrown out. And it's just like within the kingdom of God, there are wicked tenants and mm-hmm. that yeah. what it was supposed to do of keeping bad things or bad people out, it didn't. It's almost like everyone, everyone is inside the vineyard, no matter who it is. Mm-hmm. And then like you kind of, based on your actions, you kind of find yourself, you kind of get yourself thrown out. Mm-hmm. or keep yourself in. I'm also thinking about, because mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't like the idea of people being thrown out of the kingdom of God. Right. Even if Jesus said it, I'm just like, oh no. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's challenging because, it's, the parable is challenging to me because of the the violence of it, because of the way that, I don't, I don't really like it when people will get punished right. in parables, especially when the, it seems that the symbolic character in the parable that is God is punishing people. 
-hmm. and kicking them out. Um, but there's a couple things to, to think about in terms of that is like the social context of the gospel as it was written. In terms of the context of the story, Jesus is moving towards, it's in the 21st chapter of Matthew, and there's, I think, 28 chapters in Matthew. So mm -hmm. Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem now. Like he's mm -hmm. kind of giving his final instructions to, um, it's like the, the heat is ratcheting up here. Like the, the turmoil between him and the, and the Jewish leaders are really, is getting higher right. and higher. Which is alluded to at the end of the parable. Yeah, exactly. And also the writer of Matthew is living in a community where that turmoil is still being played out at an, ex at an increasingly higher level also. Because he's writing, you know, 50 years after these things happened and within a community where there are people who believe that Jesus was the Messiah and people who don't living in the same Jewish communities and worshiping together and having this kind of inner turmoil conflict. There still isn't a, like, church and a temple. Right. You know, there, it's just everyone's together playing out this. And so he's kind of, like, fighting for their right. He's, he's finding himself in a particular situation, uh, writing to a particular group of people so that there is an us, an us and them that's playing out in real time when this is being written, and that is kind of translating itself into the stories that are being told. That there the is way, a thus the and way that, yeah, exactly, the way that they're being told. Right. So there are we're wicked right, people and good people. Right. Yeah. And then people are being thrown out, mm -hmm. and we're right, you're wrong, basically. Right. Okay. So I think one thing that has helped me is like breaking down who's saying what in this story that Jesus presents this whole scenario to the Pharisees and the chief priests, right? And he says, okay, now he sent, the vineyard owner sends his son and they beat him and throw him out of the, of the, of the vineyard. Now, what should happen to them? What, what will he do to them mm -hmm. then? And it's in my head, when I think about this story, Jesus is saying, oh, they're going to get the vineyard is going to kill those people because of how bad they are. But it's actually not Jesus who says that. It's the chief, the chief priests are the ones responding and saying, oh, well, they're going to get, they should get killed. It's pretty ominous if you think about it yeah. to what later happens. Mm -hmm. And then to that response, Jesus quotes scripture to them because this, what he says after this is from Isaiah. He says, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone this was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. See, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees are talking in like real graphic imagery about retribution. Like, this is the justice system of the world. If you kill those people, you get killed. If you keep messing up, you get punished, right? Jesus, I think, is offering an alternative to that. He's quoting Isaiah to interpret this story he just told. And also, by him quoting Isaiah, it definitely gives them something that they can tangibly relate to because mm -hmm. they're rabbis and Pharisee priests, and they can relate to that and... Yeah, definitely. The eye-for-an-eye worldview is definitely present back then, so it's yeah. really interesting. And Jesus then their response was... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Oh, their response was still 
hey, let's kill him. Right. But Jesus' response wasn't, let's kill him. No. It, it seems like Jesus' response is in this Isaiah quote and this thing about the stone, like the stumbling stone. And like the, it seems pretty clear in the parable that the vineyard owner could have gone and killed them if he wanted to after he killed the first people that he sent. Right? Like he wouldn't have needed to keep sending more people Son. if he wanted to kill them. If he wanted to, yeah. And if he wanted retribution or event or vengeance, like it seems like what we have is a vineyard. What Jesus is presenting is not so much a a vineyard owner who is out to punish, or a vineyard owner who is looking for retribution, but a vineyard owner that's going to keep trying no matter how, no matter the actions of the tenants of mm-hmm. the vineyard. Mm-hmm. And so, for talking with your kids, like I think it would be good to talk about like when you do bad things like we'll still love you but and we could like not saying like we could choose to do this this and this because that's kind of messed up but just presenting that we make good choices and bad choices if you keep making bad choices we're still gonna love you but that's just also gonna impact you and like how you're gonna live and um stuff like that so Mm -hmm. and god is the same way Mm -hmm. yeah and like maybe the cornerstone that they have rejected is actually forgiveness. Like in saying this person should be killed for doing this, maybe they're saying the cornerstone that the builders rejected is forgiveness. And the cor- and it has become the cornerstone of the kingdom of God. Right. That forgiveness oh. is the cornerstone of the kingdom of God. And only crush you if you reject it. Yeah. And so... Yeah, the one who falls onto the stone of forgiveness will be broken to pieces because it doesn't really make any sense and when your economy you. is all about retri- retribution. Does it? Right? And it will crush anyone on whom it falls. That like, yeah, like it is a humbling experience to keep messing up and keep being forgiven. Yeah, just be broke yeah. down. I think in a way it's easier to just be punished and have it over with instead of being forgiven and feel like you mm-hmm. owe someone something. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially as you become more and more aware of, like, your motivations for the choices that you make and mm-hmm. knowing that choices you've made have hurt people and knowing right. when you're making choices that they're going to hurt people and still doing them. Yeah. Your um, actions have consequences. Yeah. And in the face of, of negative consequences or hurtful consequences, to be forgiven without any retribution is crushing in like, a, in like a grace-filled way. Right. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. Basically in this, what I'm taking from it is you don't need to worry about punishing those people that have hurt you and damaged you mm. and everything because mm. he he's the one who has to forgive and has to help you forgive. Mm. And he's uh, he's the one helping... Or he's the one being in charge of what happens. Yeah. It says at the end... They were scared. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables. So it's, it's mm. talking about multiple parables that he's told because he's told the parable of the two sons. He's told the parable of the yeah. wicked tenants. So if you remember from last week, it was about... These, these are about actions. They're about yeah. actions and choices that we make and choices that we make that hurt ourselves and other people. Mm-hmm. And... 
about the like unending forgiveness of God in the face of those choices. Mm. And, and I think when it says, therefore I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. It's not so much that when you do something bad, God picks you up and takes you out of the kingdom and drops you outside the fence. It's that when you do something that is hurtful, you have removed yourself from the kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Yep. That's so true. Yeah. 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 And we're all, like like you said at the beginning, like the wicked and the good, it doesn't matter who it is. We're all in there. I think about the watchtower, too, now that I think about it, like with a door. I don't know. We'll be waiting for when you come in, when you want to come in, and we'll be mm. waiting to bring you back. Mm-hmm. For a, right. Cause From a watch, the outside. Right. A watchtower is for someone to let down the the door for right. someone to come in. Yeah. I was thinking about it like like prison watchtowers. Yeah. Right. But now it's like, oh, no, it's literally like, come on in. Right. It's like some type we, of moat status. Right. There is a watchtower. So God will always be watching for you to invite yourself back in. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be allowed back in to where the fruit of the kingdom is right. being produced. It's in like that, a in that wine press. And it's also you think about the parables um, and also just the geographic location of Jesus's journey about like I feel like in the Old Testament, everything's about exile. Mm-hmm. So like Exodus, like um the parable of the lost son, like leaving and then coming home. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Jesus going, like Jesus going away and then coming back, coming into Jerusalem, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. from the transfiguration down the mountain, coming home. Um, I think that's definitely where this parable is speaking to. It's just like coming back mm-hmm. after you've been exiled. Yeah. And that God is not absent at, outside. He's with you in that exile. There's almost, there really almost isn't an outside. It's like right. God is everywhere because what is the, like, seminal moment in the in the christian salvation history it is on the cross and it happens outside the gates Mm -hmm. like that is god is there everywhere even when it seems like god isn't there when we say my god my god why hast thou forsaken me i think the the violence of this parable makes it hard for younger kids especially and probably hard to have the conversations about these kind of violent things also i think there's a way to have mm -hmm. them Mm mm-hmm and I think shying away from it and pretending like it isn't there isn't the way to go about it. I feel like parents are also scared because it's like, well, then I'm just enabling my kid to do bad things. Yeah. And it's like, well, Paul says not everything is uh, permissible under the, in the eyes of God, but not everything is beneficial. And just teaching your kids that, that like, yeah, man, you can do anything doesn't mean it's going to be good for you or other right. people. You're just going to have a hard time. Yeah. That we all have choices to make, and our choices have an impact mm-hmm. on the people around us and on ourselves. And no matter what our choice is, God loves us. Yeah, but we and can make we whatever choice we want to make. And yeah, yeah. forgiveness d- isn't going to take away suffering, though. We no, make a choice that hurts. No, we're going to still feel shunned mm-hmm. without fence. But it's going to make coming walking back past the watchtower right. and in Drinking feel that wine. much better yeah. every time. Um, these are the kind of like this is our hope for conversations at home is that you can approach hard topics and you can approach them in the light of faith and you can approach them in the light of scripture and struggle with them with your kids no matter what the age group cuz right. every age of child is capable of of hanging with you right and mm. giving answers and thinking right and well it's reflecting. psychologically proven that like children perceive the anxieties of their parents and like perceive the also the happiness of their parents. So even if they don't know what it's about or understand anything, like as far as the cognitive processing, they can perceive 
when you say like I'm happy about my faith they might not understand who God is or what you know the parable means on a metaphorical sense but they can understand like oh this means a lot to you and they can perceive that well we hope you have good conversations this week around the theme and around the gospel uh if you like the podcast we ask you to go and rate and review it on iTunes to help other people find it you can sign up on the website for weekly email reminders and soon the the resources will be in an email form that will go out every week, so you can sign up for those and find all of the Faith to Go resources for every week at stpaulcathedral.org slash faith to go, all one word. And if you have any questions, you know, send us an email. All of our email information is on the website. Okay, bye everyone. Bye. Oh, man. <laughs>